This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an awesome online learning community filled with thousands of creative video classes taught by experts and professionals. With topics ranging from how to start a side hustle, meditation, the stock market, graphic design, cooking, coding, and everything in between. Learn that skill you were always curious about or kickstart that passion project you've always wanted to. Sign up using our special Suck In Between link in the episode notes or our Insta bio for a free 30-day trial. Welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandlin. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we speak with South Asian band Eastern Empire. Eastern Empire boasts a phenomenal group of musicians and singers here in Australia who are fans of all ages but have especially been catalysts for bringing South Asian music in an accessible way to young people, even before the days of social media. Yeah, we've seen many of them perform and they're so, so good. So we're super excited to be speaking with Janakan Raj, the incredible founder of Eastern Empire, and Babita Selva, who's one of their talented singers. We speak about how Eastern Empire was founded, the significant role that music plays in communities, how music has connected them to their roots, and so much more. Before we get into it, stay tuned to the end of the episode because we have a small favour to ask from you. Mm. Now let's get into it. Janhanana and Babita, thank you so much for joining us. Just for a little context, I've known Janhanana for a long time, even though we haven't seen each other for a while now. Uh, so back in year four, I went for Merdangam lessons with Janhanana <laughs> and being really impatient and complaining that my hands were sore, I switched to learning saxophone. And I know it's not too late to learn, but I really regret not committing and learning a Carnatic instrument sooner. Uh, and also in 2000, I'm not sure if you remember this, but in, I think maybe 2008, 2009, we performed at a community event together. And one thing that I took away from that, which I keep with me today, is that during one of the rehearsals, everyone kind of just pulled out their leads and extension cords and just tucked it in a tub. But then you went back, you untangled it and you wrapped oh it up properly God. and kept it nicely. <laughs> and then you told me, you're like, you know, if you spend five minutes packing up properly, you save 20 minutes next time when you're setting up. Oh my up. gosh. So that's something that I always think about when I'm like wrapping up leads or putting... <laughs> Do you know what? Things. I was just about to say, whenever Sandler wraps up chords after we record, it's always so perfect. And I've even asked him where he's learned that from. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> uh, well, hi and welcome to you both. And um, Sandler, it's good to see you as well after ages. And I'm glad, you know, you took a little bit of advice from me. Um, that's surprising. <laughs> um, and it's great to be on with you both. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, so for the benefit of our listeners, uh, could you tell us a bit about yourselves briefly, um, you know, how you started your musical journeys and your role as a part of Eastern Empire? Yeah, sure. So um, Eastern Empire actually was like 10 years um, this year, actually, since we started. So it's 2011. Um, Thank you. Thanks so much. And um, so it started really organically about 10 years ago because it was just a group of people with kind of a like-minded interest and obviously in music and kind of from a very organic start it kind of formalized from that and I think even though we're you know all South Asian people I think we all kind of have like different interests in music and kind of from different walks of life and different age kind of spectrum as well so you know we came together very organically and you know 10 years down the track we're still here. That's awesome and Babata how did you get involved with the group? 
Yeah, so um, I guess I was born here and I guess my most sort of Eastern influences were Carnatic music initially. So I learned sort of Carnatic vocals for about 11 years um, and did dancing as well. But then at school sort of had the Western influences of being in the choir and doing sort of jazz ensembles and acapellas and things like that. Um, but it all sort of came together and culminated in sort of a fusion between the two um, in performing in sort of cinematic music and bands. And like Dana said, a lot of us had already performed together for quite some time before we formed Eastern Empire as a, officially, I guess, as a band. And the thing that really sort of brought me towards this band was that I think, as Jana mentioned, a lot of us sort of have different backgrounds. Some of us are kinetically trained. Some of us have taught ourselves instruments. Some of us have had sort of more Western classical training as well. And sort of everyone coming together from their own sort of walks of life and forming this band has been really an interesting experience. And there is sort of this beautiful thing that on stage when we perform together, we all have this, um, there are moments sometimes that are really nice where we mm. all sort of share this experience and um, passion for music. And that's something that's yeah, really that's beautiful. beautiful to be able to create and share with an audience as well. Yeah, that's awesome. As individuals, what are your musical backgrounds? So, Janakana, starting with you, what is your musical background? What have you been trained in? And then we'll go to Babitha. Yeah, so first and foremost, it's Carnatic music for me. I, I think that's always been like my first love, my first passion. Um, mm -hmm. Coming from a musical family, Appa, and then my Chinamami and my Periyamami, like everyone is always been in the arts. So it's kind of always been in the house, you know, permeating through the radio. So it's like something I grew up with, you know, and that was kind of my first introduction is Carnatic music. And I continue to study that even up until now. Um, and then, you know, growing up in Australia and, you know, going to school here and being exposed to other genres of music, whether it's, you know, Western classical or R&B and hip hop, and then, further down the track, you know, getting into more like composing or producing music. And then, you know, you get a little bit more interest in other things like electronica and, and things like that. But I always find myself going back to Carnatic music and, you know, kind of like a first love. Uh, I play the Murudangam, which is kind of my main instrument. And that's something I still, you know, learn. And it's like endless learning. It never stops. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty of, I feel like, music in general. And uh, Carnatic music, like... You play something and then you watch someone else as someone senior to you or someone with more experience and then you're like oh my god it's just like a drop in the ocean what i know and like it <laughs> yeah. just that fuels you and keeps you pushing yourself and you know i think that's the beauty of music like you never feel like you know everything yeah but i feel like at the same time um you need to be aware of that because i think some people uh kind of get a bit yeah. of an ego and they say that you know, they're getting praised for a certain level of performance that they're doing, but they're not self-aware enough to say that there's always some, um, you know, to, to humble themselves to say that there's always more to learn and, um, you know, always finding things from other musicians to draw yeah. upon as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's really important and great that you've been able to, you know, d despite everything that you have achieved as a musician, you're always kind of striving for more. That's awesome. What about you, Babitha? Yeah, so um, I sort of started singing in particular when I was six and it was mainly Carnatic music that I started with. Um, but then when I sort of went into school, I joined the school choir and then um, in high school, I sort of did a bit of Broadway with sort of musicals and then jazz ensembles and acapella groups as well. Um, what I found really interesting about the whole experience has been like, even though 
I did sort of Carnatic music with the pure purpose of sort of applying those sort of vocal elements in Eastern music is that I found that it's actually provided me with a really strong vocal set to use in Western music as well. Yeah. Um, and that's been really interesting to sort of experiment between the two and, and how to use things that you learn from one sort of aspect of music to another. Um, and then in addition to that, I then let the piano. So I sort of completed my eighth grade of, in piano and then started doing a bit of keyboarding for Eastern Empire as well, um, for sort of Eastern music as well. So it's quite different in, in sort of the Western context where you sort of have two hands that have sort of a bit more expression and sort of free movement. Um, and then you have sort of Eastern music where it's very like heavy in the, the elements and the, the number of instruments involved and being able to try and replicate that on a keyboard um, is a very interesting, uh, different sort of experience as well. So um, those have been my, my main exposures to music. Um, and then I've sort of yeah. performed in the Eastern sort of sphere in cinematic music as well. And Again, that's been really interesting because I I guess a lot of like a misconception is that people think sort of just a blend or a fusion between just Western and Carnatic music, but it's actually just its own genre entirely. Um, So yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. That's awesome. We'll come back to a few of the things you mentioned about kind of fusing the two different cultures musically in a little bit. Um, But I think something within our community that sometimes people struggle with is certain people are kind of taught about Karnatic music in a very strict or rigid way in which they're just doing it or like trying to get the kids to do it to check certain boxes. And that eventually pushes them away from the culture, right? Because they're not learning it for uh, any other reason but how they look in the community. Um, and I, I guess another reason would be with being surrounded with Western music as well. Sometimes people would think that Karnatic music is is lame in air quotes or, you know, there's other musical instruments like a guitar, which people would gravitate towards because they would want to um, be cool in kind of a Western sense. Um, For you both personally, did you ever feel, maybe ashamed is the wrong word, but did you feel kind of um, like you didn't, uh, yeah, maybe a little embarrassed about learning Karnatic music or did you feel like you wanted to push that aside for any reason when you were growing up learning the art? Yeah, everything you say resonates a lot. Um, This whole stigma of classical music or Karnatic music and music from your background or culture and you know owning it and being proud of it i think for me because it was in the household right from the beginning i didn't know better like i felt like that is what you know my life is and just moving in those circles all the time like up and number we moved in these circles all the time whether we're you know going to shows going to the coil or like temple or you know we were always immersed in this world um so I think for me, I was really like hooked on it very early on. Um, I did experience what you're talking, you know, once I was in kind of high school, I would say, like you'd get like comments or like, oh, you know, why do you like that music or like, oh, that's really, you know, boring or lame. Um, I do see it in kids teaching this music or, you know, seeing the younger generation. Sometimes, you know, I don't think they're ashamed. I think especially in the Carnatic circle, um, you know, it can be very closed off. It's very, it can be mm-hmm. a bit, I would say, elitist, the music, and it's similar with Western classical. So, you know, they can really close off on people who want to learn, especially like when you go to a Kacheri or, you know, an Arangetram or something, you know, the people there, like the listeners, the Rasikas, they're very knowledgeable, even if they don't play an instrument, they're very knowledgeable on like the music or the culture or 
you know, the bhakti, like the devotion behind it. And as an outsider or someone young, you know, that can really intimidate you. So I can understand how, you know, the younger generation, you know, sometimes are a bit scared and they don't know where, you know, to start. Um, so I think that's kind of something on us as musicians as well, like to, you know, be a bit more open and inviting to people as well. And I think, I know what you're saying, it's like, is it cool or is it uncool? And I think I always yeah. have this thing like, I've got to make this music like cool, like, you know, oh, it's cool to learn Carnatic music. Mm. It was kind of something in the back of my head uh, because, you know, you don't want, you want kind of attract people to that music and be like, oh, look, you know, he grew up here in Australia. He's following this path of, you know, listening to this music or, you know, enjoying this music. And so, like, I think that was always in the back of my head mm. to, like, present it in a way that's, you know, very appetizing for, like, the generation now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I'm a, definitely an example of that, right? Amanapa always took us, uh, my brother and I, to programs. Yeah. And there was a level of, like, okay... I've had enough. I want to go experience something else, right? I mean, I, I quit Miradangam to learn the saxophone. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a key example. But in adulthood, there's like just a different level of appreciation for it. I'm so thankful that my parents did that. And it's so cool uh, seeing uh, people like you with Eastern Empire kind of bring uh, a, West, a little bit of a Western flavor and make it uh, palatable for people like us who are in between two cultures to appreciate South Asian music in this new hybrid way. Yeah, and it's it's really important because it's, it's something that is so rich. That music, you know, I mean, the subcontinent has so many forms of, you know, music, whether it's classical or, you know, regional folk. There's like a dichotomy of so much instruments and genres. It's like, it's like an ocean. So I think it's something that, you know, I guess it's kind of a duty for us to, you know, push that out there and, you know, like, expose people to that kind of music yeah definitely you don't want it to get lost either right all that rich tradition and culture that's passed over so many generations how about you babitha were you similar to janana now or did you reject sort of learning Carnatic music yeah so younger? i think even from a very young age like i actually really enjoyed Carnatic music i know that there were you know other people in my class who used to sit there and cry because they you know hadn't practiced <laughs> and clearly didn't want to be there <laughs> So I think, like, as Jana said, like, when you're really young, I think it's hard sometimes when, you know, parents are sort of trying to cultivate this interest at a young age, but they're just, just not interested or not really connecting to it. Um, but really, thankfully, it's really nice to see that uh, sort of at this time, I'm seeing, like, even during COVID, during lockdown, there are people sort of posting, um, you know, percussion challenges and mm. Indian dance, little clips of vocal music as well um, that are Karnatic. And it's really nice to see that people are really trying to embrace and share their culture openly on such a vast medium um, at, at this time and, and in our generation now. So that's that's something that I'm really proud to see. Um, I've always really enjoyed Karnatic music, but again, like I think since I was young, I probably wasn't the kind of person who would try and belt something out Carnatic when I was in sort of a, a Western sort of environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm very much, I guess, someone who embraces it in a very closet sort of sphere. Like I do listen to Carnatic music when I go for a run, for example, which is very odd, but I really enjoy it because it gives me that sort of <laughs> sense of peace. And like, I like the sort of um, technical challenges that it presents. And I like to distract my mind with that when I try and clear my mind. Um, but yeah, it is really nice to see that, that things are changing. And I think there has been a shift towards people embracing their culture a lot more now um, than I think I, I felt that there was in the past. Yeah. Yeah. We um, interviewed an American singer. She's Indian background who went viral on TikTok 
and she was saying her mum's a music teacher and um, she would stand outside in the rain not wanting to go to class yeah. and she said she when she was little she'd rather catch pneumonia than you know learn Carnatic music yeah. she just wanted to sing like Selena Gomez and stuff like that so I feel like the common theme is at one point you're a little bit shy or embarrassed about it but then as you grow up you do start to embrace your culture a bit more um, and that's not just with music but with with many things um, I guess this is a question for Janahan Anna, in terms of the mission of Eastern Empire, you know, mm. when you first started it or even what the mission is now, could you give us some insight into what that is? And it might also tie into the name of the group. We were also curious to know, <laughs> you know, how and why you chose Eastern Empire as the name. Yeah, it's such a cool name. Uh, you know, something really funny. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting old. I don't even know how the name came about. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you laugh. I thought you just had a funny story yeah. behind the name. I didn't know you forgot. <laughs> I think Cat Empire was kind of in vogue back then. And then, you know, we kind of spun off that name and we're like, oh, well, we're doing Eastern music. So I don't know if, if that was the trigger, but I feel like that may have subconsciously been a trigger for the people involved back then who were like, you know, kind of formulating Eastern Empire. But um, in terms of why we formed a group like like I said, it was very organic in the beginning. Um, we were performing like as, you know, different groups at different programs or shows. And then we were like, you know what? We perform a lot together. You know, why don't we do something collaboratively with all of us, you know, involved? Um, so I think that's how it started. And then as we went along, you know, I guess our mission or objective, what we want to do kept changing. I think at the core, like the essence is, it's always been the same, like, you know, providing a platform in Sydney and Australia as a wider community, but in Sydney, you know, there's so much good talent. So, you know, it was kind of providing that platform for people. Um, and as Babita said, like cinematic music is, it's very enjoyable and it's something, you know, where you can do with a big group of people and it's kind of like easing people into the performance scene. Um, so I think that was kind of, like the crux of it. And like also back in the days, you know, and you guys probably seen a lot of performances bringing talent from overseas, which is great because mm -hmm. you need to, you know, look at your seniors or people more experienced. But, you know, it became kind of a template, you know, let's bring artists from overseas. And we are like, you know what, if we never give the people locally a, a chance to do something, you know, we'd always be playing in like, you know, your community kind of events. So yeah. we thought like, let's kind of, give a platform where it's center stage for like local talent, you know, to express themselves musically, creatively. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, like, can you talk to us a little bit about the creative process of Eastern Empire? So is it kind of, you know, uh, someone has like a list of songs that they think that you guys should perform together or is it kind of everyone comes in together with a blank slate? Uh, what's the kind of behind the scenes for you guys? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think this actually has shifted with time and probably something that we, we still sort of change up every now and again. Um, I think initially a lot of the gigs that we were getting were before we sort of did our independent productions were very much like the charity organizations raising money back for Sri Lankan schools in Sri Lanka and things like that. So I think um, when that was sort of the case that sometimes people sort of gave us a recommendation of songs that they would like us to perform and, and over time as we sort of did sort of our own independent productions we all sort of um, chipped in with songs that we would like individually like to perform or songs that we thought the band would really be stand out with performing. Um, 
and all sort of goes into sort of a large list and then um, a few people in the band um, sort of representing each part of the band. So like the percussion, the instrumentalists and then the vocals in sort of choosing songs that would really highlight different parts of the band as well. Because I think what's been really important for this band is not only to sort of showcase songs, but also showcase different uh, members of our band um, and ensuring that everyone sort of gets a part where they're able to embrace, not only show off our talent, but also embrace different types of music and different genres of music. Um, and then done our own sort of individual um, takes on it as well. So it's, it's not only been, I guess, choosing the song, but also changing up the arrangement for the song and the delivery of the song as well. Yeah, and we can really see that. I mean, I grew up listening to you guys, even when I was at uni and stuff. Um, I remember fangirling all over, <laughs> over all of your covers. And it's really obvious how you do showcase every member that's part of your band. It's not just one person is a star of the show, but you really do highlight everyone's unique talents as well, which, you know, I'm no music buff, but it's beautiful to see that. Um, but taking a step back and looking at music in more of a macro lens. Um, we wanted to speak with you guys about the role of music, not just in the South Asian community, but just overall, right? I mean, because music brings communities together. It has such a beautiful role in so many different parts of life. Um, so to start with you, Babitha, what do you think, especially being part of Eastern Empire, has really showed you about the value of music and the role that music has had? Um, music has been such a pivotal part of my life in particular mm. since I was really young. And I think it's been really important, as I mentioned in the beginning, as in Carnatic music, in sort of developing mm. that really sort of spiritual connection with God for me mm. um, and, and developing that sort of solace and that peace in that music. Um, it's also been really important in sort of bringing, being able to create emotion through music and then being able to share that with other people, not only amongst the band, but also in performing. Um, I think especially with Indian cinema music, there are particular moments or particular emotions that are created in, in a particular movie and being able to, um, being able to modulate my voice or uh, sort of feeling the, the instruments and the layers of the instruments at that particular moment, being able to feel that as a band and being able to deliver that to an audience and connect to an audience is like an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, and I think that's probably been the most important thing for me with music. You can literally see the passion in your face as you speak about it <laughs> as well. <laughs> How about you, Janet and Anna? Yeah, like you were saying, I think music is an integral part of everyone's life. And like, you know, taking a step back and seeing how it applies to, you know, globally to people like spiritually, religiously, identity-wise, culturally... I think music permeates through all of these sectors. And it's something that a lot of people say, like, music has no language. And it's really true. I feel like you can listen to music, you know, in a language you don't know, in a genre you have no clue about, and you could enjoy it, mm. you know. And, and in Eastern Empire, I feel like music, it's kind of brought different backgrounds together. All of us are, like, different walks of life, like I said. And, like, seeing a lot of the band, like, like, Bob with herself, like, I think, Bubs, you would have been, like, 15 when you first, yeah, yeah wow. like, you, she would have been a teenager. And, like, seeing all these guys, like, grow and mature, not only as artists, but, like, in their life itself and seeing, you know, where they are now. You know, when we used to kind of 
make and do music when they were much younger it's so different now because now we like take a back seat and like mm. it's really kind mm. of like a proud moment to watch that because then you you think back and you go oh my god this this person was like a little kid and now i'm just sitting there you know listening to them and you know their ideas so i think it's really important music like in people's lives you know day-to-day lives i think the crux of us is like you know we want something that really kind of stirs us and like you know you know makes us experience something new and so i think music is like really integral for that yeah no i was just going to say Jana, like to your point with sort of undergoing that journey through music like even within one genre like there's just so much to learn you're constantly like learning and you're developing and it's it's a very individual but also a group process at the same time and and not only one genre but then being exposed to lots of different genres and understanding different elements that you can bring into different types of music as well is just actually just a very challenging process where you just continue to grow and develop and that's a really beautiful thing that music brings as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, even me as an individual, like I said, I'm not musical at all. Um, I enjoy dancing, can't sing for shit, (laughs) terrible. Um, But, you know, as someone who enjoys listening to music, you know, I've been to a few concerts, but the Air Rahman concert was my favourite concert that I've ever been to. I almost cried listening to him sing. Um, So I think it's just a really great way of, for me personally, to be able to stay connected to my culture, even though I'm not a musical person per se. For the two of you, how has music helped you stay connected to your culture? It seems like an obvious question, but I really want to know if you guys hadn't been so involved in Carnatic music, do you think you would be as connected to your culture as you are now? Uh, For me, it's huge. Like being proud of your identity and who you are. And I think music provided that start for me. And obviously it's kind of, as I've grown older, like I have so much more appreciation for my background, you know, being like Tamil. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think music kind of was the trigger for that. And our music is so rich, like going back the subcontinent, we have Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, like the culture is so rich and there's so much nuances to that culture to really appreciate. Mm -hmm. And I think, if you can find something to latch on to, whether it's cooking or whether it's arts or the crafts or music or dance, you know, and you really kind of dedicate your like skill set and your thought process to that, you really start to appreciate, you know, your culture. So music was a huge kind of instigator for that for me. Um, discipline, it's a really weird because I'm probably the most undisciplined person, <laughs> but... <laughs> Music, it's like, there's so much discipline and, you know, Sandin, you know, you saying like, you know, rap, wrapping the cables and being so OCD. I think like, I think music has made me so OCD because like, you always want to be a perfectionist and you want to, you know, creatively do everything perfectly. Um, so music, discipline, like my, my guru back in Chennai, he says like, music is like yoga. And he goes, you know, mm. sometimes you don't even do yoga. If you play music, it's like meditative. And it's so true. Mm. And like the discipline that was instilled in that music. And I think, you know, that's something I lacked, but then music kind of really, you know, helped me get like structure in in my life as well. So I think, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people would have kind of this personal experience to music as well. Yeah, that's such a great point that you brought up there. How about yourself, Avitha? Yeah, so I guess being born here and then like I built summer school and like my parents always spoke in English with me. I think music was really like my in to the to my community yeah. and my sense of culture. So 
Um, and it was the same for classical dancing as well. And then I think it, it really has that ability to create that sense of community within your cultural environment as well. Um, you know, all the shows that we've done, all the cultural events that I have sort of performed at or attended, I, I've been able to meet so many people um, through music and, and through participating in these events as well. And then I guess on top of that, like performing in Indian cinema music, like that sort of made me watch Tamil movies as well. And so mm. understanding more Tamil and like sort of understanding the humor and like things that, you know, other people who speak the same language and have the same cultural background can relate to. Um, yeah, music was really my end to all of that. Um, I think a blessing for Romy and myself with doing this podcast is that we've had conversations with lots of people who've helped us appreciate things about our culture um, you know, just really small day-to-day things that we wouldn't have thought about too deeply because we just see it day-to-day. Um, so obviously uh, music has so many widespread impacts in passing on our culture, but even things like, you know, us paying respect to the gurus or paying respect to the stage before you go on to perform, right? Mm-hmm. And the posture that you sit in, um, having kind of connections to yoga and meditative benefits, like you were saying. Uh, obviously there's so many benefits to, you know, passing on music uh, and culture in this way. Uh, could you, I guess, speak a little to how um, other benefits or some of the things that you see that we sometimes don't really appreciate as maybe from an audience point of view, but you as musicians um, see and feel as a part of the whole uh, performative uh, process? Yeah. I mean, there's so many nuances, um, Sandin, like in that you were talking about. And, um, you know, this guru-sishya relationship in Mm. Indian arts is like huge um it differs from western music where you know you might see a lot of teachings where it's like notated and it's sheeted and it's it's provided and and it can be very systematic as well and there's a plethora of benefits in that as well but the great thing in our music in indian music it's this guru shishya where it's the the teacher student and it's an oral kind of recitation of you know what they know and their experience and um, mm. you'll also see with kind of Carnatic music, Hindustani music, you know, Kowali singers, Ghazal singers, whatnot, uh, you know, they'll stay with their guru. You know, some people like mm. will live with them and they'll imbibe music, you know, what they do in their life, daily life. And I, you know, got to experience that as well when I was in Chennai, living with my guru or staying with my guru and learning music and literally morning to night whatever they do you do and i Mm. think you learn so much like that it's not just music and then you start kind of like taking on you know their values and what you know the discipline they have and i think there's so much beauty in that in our kind of background and that guru sisha relationship is i find very sacred and appa is also my guru as well so there's like a Mm. double layer of you know kind of not just as a father, but as a teacher and even my teacher back in Chennai and in Melbourne. I mean, they teach so much, but I feel like just the way they go about their life and, you know, the integrity and the honesty, I, I think you can learn so much from that. And I think that's kind of the beauty of like this kind of style of learning. Yeah, for sure. So it seems more like a lifestyle than exactly. a, an yeah. art form that you're learning, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, you're learning the art along the way, but it's kind of like... Bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bhavita? What are the kind of the nuances that you really appreciate that maybe as a non-musician, uh, someone wouldn't be able to see or mm. feel? Um, I guess I actually find Eastern music to be a lot more technically challenging. 
um, in a lot of ways in comparison to Western music from a vocal perspective. Um, so it's really, I think, like not only instilled that discipline, as Janelle was saying, but also like really forced me to dedicate myself to being a lot more detail oriented, I think, um, in comparison to mm. um, pick up like a Western song and like the modulations. I think it's, it's a lot more intricate. There's a lot more complexity in like each sort of note and the way things fall um, in, in Eastern music. So I think as a result of that, I've become like a lot, uh, a lot more detail oriented, I think. Um, and, and perfectionistic in a way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess you were just referring to learning both Eastern and Western music. Mm. With conversations I've had with other musicians, they've uh, some have said that they've really struggled to kind of blend the two, they, so they kind of like to keep it as two separate things uh, because technically it's very different and the way you're kind of thinking uh, with, you know, improvisations and things like that can be very, very different. But the way uh, you both do it as part of Eastern Empire seems so fluid. Um, could you speak a little to how you're able to kind of intertwine the two styles um, in such an organic way? Um, it, it's interesting, as you said, I think there are sort of communities that are very um, stri sort of strict about keeping things as they are and not mixing the two. Like I personally found when I was learning classical music and then going into cinematic music, um, people sort of in the Carnatic music circle uh, was sort of discouraging me from making that transition because um, I guess Carnatic music would sort of be then potentially would transform or not be able to be recognised as its own pure art form. Um, but also that sort of younger people were sort of taking on a fusion or cinema music as sort of the more popular genre. Um, mm. And I think it's really important to recognise that even with cinema music and when we try to do these sort of new takes on music, we're not trying to replace any genres by any means. We're trying to sort of take on those really important aspects of different genres and trying to experiment and trying to um, complement them with other sort of art forms that we've come across or experienced. Um, I guess when it comes to sort of mixing the two, it's, it is really challenging and it is something that, that we sort of experiment with. We try, um, with different songs. And I think initially having, um, exposure to like, personally, I found that looking at covers by like Coke studios and Kappa TV, like there are some really good artists out there that, mm. that do really good blend of, um, like really appreciating the beauty of, you know, Carnatic music through vocals, for example, and having, you know, the murdangam and the really sort of Indian traditional sounds, but mixing that with the electric guitar and having the, the, the drums as well. And, and, and just creating an entirely new emotion and experience entirely. Um, so having those sort of inspirations is really good initially to start with. Um, and then I think now, as, as you know, we mentioned, everyone sort of come from a different walk of life and everyone now sort of having the courage to step forward and introduce their own ideas and, and their own sort of takes on different songs. And I guess that sort of moves into our sort of new series that we've been working on as well with people sort of taking the lead on, on different songs and bringing in like, for example, a jazzy sort of feel to an emotive sort of Indian song um, is something that we've been experimenting with. So it's no, by no means an easy thing, um, but a journey in itself that we've been working on. Yeah, I mean, you guys are pulling it up so in such yeah. a great way. So um, yeah, I can't wait to see what's still in store. Um, how do you, I mean, another conversation I had with some people who, um, who are 
chiropractically trained kind of get offended when artists like Will I Am or Jay Z <laughs> or Timberland sample from chiropractic music. Uh, you know, having the training that you both have, but growing up in the Western world, how do you guys feel about it? Because sometimes I'm like, you know, it's so cool to see these artists take from our culture, and other times I'm like, this is trash. Like, don't take away <laughs> from you know such a genuine and pure form that the original is. Look, kudos. I I, I think you know. If you're attempting to, you know, introduce like some other culture to mainstream culture yeah. or pop culture, I think it's great. I think they do do their homework. A lot of these kind of music celebrities, and I know Will I Am, you know, he really has like an affinity for indie music. I know he spent, a, I've heard he spent a lot of time there and and done his kind of research. So I think he does it quite tastefully, and I think Black Eyed Peas, you know, kind of sampling a lot of their stuff.、Um, And they're quite culturally diverse themselves, you know, with Filipino and like Black American as well in there. I、uh, I do know sometimes it's done not, I wouldn't say not tastefully, but not executed well.、Mm. And you know, I've been in that kind of boat sometimes where there will be like a Western arrangement. They go, oh, you know, just chuck something Indian on top, and you know, it it doesn't synergize at all. Like you know, it's just like,、yeah. oh, you add a layer on top and make it Indiany, you know. So、yeah. I think. You know, when when someone approaches it like that, it's like you know you haven't really done the research where the synergy is going to happen, and especially for something like say classical music, whether it's Hindustani or Carnatic music,、um, you know it's very improvisational, so it works really well with kind of jazz,、uh, and you'll see you know it done like in world music kind of festivals where a lot of jazz musicians can kind of translate you know and vice versa, so it works really well in those genres. So when you kind of do your I guess research and your, you know, your backend work. You know, you can make things gel really well, and I think in Eastern Empire we try to also kind of go that path where we go, okay, you know, we're going to take this and X and Y, and how how we're going to, you know, make it marry well. And if it doesn't work, then you know we go back to the drawing board. So, yeah, I think it's research and you know appreciating you know whichever culture you take from. And and you know, kind of seeing where it will synergize, and I think、um, Coldplay and BTS is really poppy,、mm. and, and it was really fun, and I, you know, I I didn't expect that, and I I really like that track as well.、Mm. Universe, yeah, no, that's yeah. really interesting. And like Sandin said, you guys do it so beautifully. So clearly something's working, and you're definitely doing something right.、Um, but without question for you, in terms of yourself as an artist and Eastern Empire as a group,、um, what would you say are your biggest inspirations? They could be separate to you as an individual versus the group. But just wondering what your key inspirations are as a musician. Yeah.、Um, so I guess my inspirations are quite diverse. To be honest, on a personal level.、Um, Like I think, from a vocals perspective, I think I I learn a lot from、uh, trying new things, both from a Western perspective and from an Eastern perspective as well.、Um, so I think continuing to listen to like pure Carnatic music has always been really good for me to sort of come back to my origins and keep me、um, grounded and and sort of have a solid foundation for my voice. Um, from like a Western perspective, I think you know taking on the challenges of like Sia's voice or like Adele.、Yeah. I think the really big voices.、Um, actually, like you learn so much just from trying to deliver a song like this.、Um, just to sort of experimenting with the different ways that you can use your voice and throw your voice as well. So, I think it it doesn't come down to sort of I guess one particular person.、Um, 
on an individual level, it's been very much sort of working on things from different angles. Um, from a band perspective, I think, as I mentioned before, I think Coke Studio and Kappa TV always bring something out new that, that we really like and that we really enjoy. And I think those are probably really big inspirations of mine personally, like for, for the band as well. Yeah. And you, Jenna and Anna? Yeah, so quite varied. I would say, you know, first and foremost, like my gurus, you know, Appa, uh, Ravi teacher back in Melbourne and Balaji Sir and Chennai, I think going back to, you know, being just more than a guru, but role models can just go to them at any time for advice or, you know, their thoughts on like something you created or something you're trying to pursue. So I think mm. those three are always there uh, for me and especially kind of coming from the Karnatic background. Um, and then going beyond that, like I have, you know, especially in world music, like people like who kind of broke boundaries, like your Ravi Shankar or your like mm. Zakir Hussain, Vikku Vinayakram, John McLaughlin. Yeah. And the Shakti band, like, you know, what they were achieving, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And like bringing that kind of to the Western world, you know, Ravi Shankar through Rolling Stones. I mean, sorry, not Rolling Stone, the Beatles, sorry. And like, you know, seeing them doing it on the world stage, you know, collaborating with mainstream artists. Um, and a funny one is like Dr. Dre, like people who are like, you know, just above and beyond. Pioneers. Yeah, like pioneers, like people who are like, kind of groundbreaking and then ended up like being above exceptional. Um, Air Rahman as well, Rahman sir, because I think like what Babita said, like he just found a way to make music global and he would, yeah. you know, take like a Mongolian throat singer and like a Kowali singer and like someone playing Mridanga and he just like, and you go, oh, that worked. It's like, how did that work? <laughs> you know, the brilliance in that itself is like really inspirational. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, across the board, like, those people, like, not only I feel like they're, like, kind of role models of music, but, like, they're always trying to kind of be one more step up. Like, how do I, like, deliver something that people haven't thought of yet? Yeah. So, yeah. Not just stopping, but always continuing to yeah. do better and striving for something new. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I've no doubt that there will be people out there in our community looking up to Eastern Empire and saying, you know, that's the kind of thing that I want to be aspiring to as well. So, um, yeah, no doubts that that's happening at the same time. Uh, as kind of a way of wrapping up the episode, uh, we know that you guys had a really great virtual series recently, uh, but what else is in the works for Eastern Empire? What's kind of like the long-term vision? And, you know, maybe are you guys even thinking about writing more original music? Is that in the cards as well? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we've got a show coming up. Um, so on the 26th of March, we've got a show by the name of Revolution and so we said before, marks our 10th year anniversary, which is really exciting. Um, and then with the virtual series, I guess it was actually really, um, really good to sort of release this virtual series during the COVID period in particular to sort of, again, not just raise awareness for our band and sort of um, bring that momentum back up again after a bit of a break, but also introduce that sort of collegiality and that community through music again. And that's something that we're hoping to do another series of uh, in the coming year. Yeah, and, you know, just expanding on what Bob's saying, um, obviously, you know, doing the independent production in March uh, and then kind of moving from there. And yes, send them originals. Yes. Um, Ooh, it's, always, awesome. it's always a challenge because people always want to hear what they're familiar with. And also being such a large group coming together to do something, you know, original always, there's a lot of kind of uh, work involved with that. But it's definitely there and we... We'll definitely be doing originals. And like, I think moving 
kind of further down the track, um, two things is like being able to perform like with well-known artists, listed artists, like an A-list artist, whether it's from India or subcontinent region and kind of being like a front cover band for them or being a backline band. And then kind of also doing more community-based festival kind of interactive stuff like um, mm. Paralanes and like kind of those multicultural yeah. events. Um, so, you know, kind of doing a series of events that yeah. formalize a bigger festival so people can kind of, you know, come and watch Eastern Empire, but then we do kind of a garden kind of event, like which is maybe more classical and then kind of a more a party event. So, you know, like you can kind of touch on different points and people's interest. Yeah. I think that's something, you know, we really want to do as well. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. And I think different age groups would really gravitate towards mm. that as well, right? So you guys are sort of covering that entire South Asian community as well. But we're super excited to see where you guys go and to really watch you guys grow. Um, truly, like Sandra and I have been huge fans for many years now. And obviously, you know, he knows you as well, Janadana. So it's really great to see you guys, you know, put out all this amazing work, even during lockdown. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been really great speaking with you both. Oh, thank you so much for having us on the show. It really is a privilege to be on on this podcast. Yeah, and if you uh, ever do need an alto sax, you know where to find me. <laughs> Shameless. Sure, Seven. And cable wrapping, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it too. No, but thank you guys, Romy, Sandin, Like, it's it was so nice to chat with you both. And you guys are doing an amazing job. And, like, I have to take a moment to thank you guys, you know, for getting people like us on and so many other, you know, people born here, young generation, you know, kind of going through their momentum of what they're doing and you guys giving us a platform to speak, you know, to a wider audience about what we do as well. Thank you so oh, much. Really you. appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll put all the details to Eastern Empire in our episode notes and on our Instagram page at stuckinbetween underscore podcast. So make sure you go and check out all their amazing work. Our next episode, like Sam said at the beginning, is going to be a different one. We'll actually be collabing with Kripa from the Uncultured Podcast to answer some of your questions which you have for Sam and I. So we'll put up a story on our Instagram. If you can send in your questions, that would be amazing. What better way to celebrate our 25th episode? Exactly. We've made it to 25. (laughs) We'll see you then. Bye.